0: it's kind of cool how things worked out because, uh, you know, the song about God is good, and Doug uh, then sung about that, um, and then my sermon's about the goodness of God, the goodness of God. And the uh, Lord put this on my heart a long time ago, several months ago, and uh, it's kind of interesting too because we've kind of, me and my wife have come across some people and couples and different things because uh, I shared this with her, kind of my my understanding of this. You know, I think the Bible... Is kind of, you know, challenging us, and uh, it's been able to, be to kind of bring this up and say, hey, man, the goodness of God should lead you to serve Him and live for Him. So I want to try to bring this to you, hopefully be a blessing to you, and God will be pleased. Amen? The goodness of God, um, this kind of little saying here says, oh, the goodness of God is considered one of God's attributes. It is well described His very essence. And thus it is the sum of his nature and character too. So the goodness of God, it is, you know, and get all that theology theology stuff and all the books and all that, you know, they they have terms and names and all, but um, God's goodness, the goodness of God is kind of like an umbrella. Though it is one of his attributes, it's like everything falls under God's goodness. And there's actually kind of several spokes, you might say, that God's goodness is kind of revealed. Attributes of God are, and I'm not going to use the big terms, just the things as we know is God is all-knowing, right? God is all-powerful. God is everywhere. He is all-wise. He is good, gracious, merciful, just, unchanging, self-sufficient. Those are all these characters, and there's several more. So that's who God is, and it's like the goodness of God kind of permeates all that because God is good in everything that he does. Now, When I was thinking of this, I I thought of one of my kind of got the three musketeers, three musketeers, these kind of attributes that kind of fall under the goodness of God. Now, Alexandre Dumas is the one 1844 wrote the three musketeers and made a lot of different movies and things and TV series and all that. He's a great writer. He's a great writer. He's bad at math. Three musketeers. But see, there's these four attributes of God that come under the goodness of God. And we like three of them. Well, there's one we just kind of don't really like too much. But it's considered the goodness of God. And so when we look at this, I want to bring this up and kind of remember, think about that, that kind of one part of God that we don't like to consider, that that's God's goodness, but it is. In Exodus chapter 33, it says here, it said and Moses, that is, he said, Moses said, please show me your glory, talking to God, right? And it says, then he, then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. See, when Moses said, God, show me, you, show me your glory, show me who you are, God said, I'll show you my goodness because I am good. That is who I am. It, it permeates all of who God is, God's goodness. In Genesis chapter 50, a great verse, when Joseph's talking to his brothers, it says there in verse 20, but as for you, he tells them, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about as it is today to save many uh, people alive see god is able to take the evil things of this world and the evil things that are done to us and he is able to turn them and make something good you know even the, even the world even the lost world those that aren't christians you see that they try to take the tragedies that they experience and they try to pass laws or they try to do measures or they they try to make awareness they do the same thing they see man we got to bring something good out of this evil But you see, God, only God can guarantee that he can do that. You know, I never thought the day that whenever um, we didn't have any heat up in Connecticut, we we couldn't pay the oil bill for the the furnace. And so we had to open up the electric oven for two-story apartment and just turn on the electric oven and, and try to get some warmth in the house. I never thought that'd be good for me. You know, but God has a way. God has a way. Romans chapter number two, it says this. Paul says, And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things? Now, Paul made a whole list in chapter number one about all these bad things that people were doing and how God was going to judge that. And he says, And you do the same? That you escape the judgment of God? See, sometimes we fall as Christians upon God's goodness. And oh, God's, you know, God's so good, and He's so gracious, and He's so merciful, and all this. And um, we take advantage of that. And he says, don't, don't think that you're going to escape God's judgment just because you're a Christian. He says, or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to Repentance. God's goodness leads us to repentance. Now, that word lead there is, um, leads, it's kind of a very broad word. It has, it uses all the way from to guide, as, as, as a guide would guide somebody, you know, hey, this way, you know, we were going this way at the trail. As to lead as in arrest somebody where you grab them by the nap of the neck and you lead them to jail. It has the word, uh, I mean, the idea as, as you drive an animal and lead it to go a certain direction by using a stick or something. That's that word. Now, in my opinion, I, I think God does all that. Sometimes God's got a stick to me. You know? That way, Casey. Sometimes God had to grab me by the nap on the neck. This way, dummy. And then sometimes God just said, hey, this way, Case. Come on this way. Follow me. But his goodness leads us. His goodness leads us. Now, just so you understand, there there is a difference in a Christian between our state and our standing. Our state and our standing. Our standing never changes. You know, we sung that in that song. There's a whole bunch of adjectives to describe our state. I mean, I'm sorry, Our standing. And these things never change. I got a list of those, just a few that I kind of made for a slide. Yeah, there it is. These are things that never change. We're accepted in His sight, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. We're a new creature or creation. Some translations have that. 2 Corinthians chapter five, seventeen. We're born again as uh, children of God, 1 John chapter 3. And we're loved by God. Man, that's all over the Bible. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 4, Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. God sees us as perfected, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. We're passed from death unto life, 1 John chapter 3. We have peace with God. We're not His enemies anymore. Hebrews chapter 5, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. We're freed from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6. We're seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2. And there's lots, lots more. That standing that we have with God never changes. But see, I kind of want to talk to you about our state. Because our state is our walk. And that obviously does change. And that does affect the goodness of God. So we I want to examine these. The first of these three musketeers, right, is mercy. Mercy. In the English Bible, uh, there's a roughly around 360 different times or more, almost 400 times that the word mercy is in your English Bible. Lots of mercy. Thank God. One for every day of the year. Man, I need it. I don't know about you couple of definitions of mercy. One is in the Bible, mercy is extended to an, uh, to an offender in the form of forgiveness and to the suffering in the form of healing or comfort. The real, I guess, short definition is mercy withholds a punishment that's deserved. That's mercy. Mercy withholds a punishment that's deserved. And I mean, you ought to get it, but you don't. Everybody somewhere in your life can relate to this. All right? I mean, you can relate to it. My dad was was a hard guy. I feared my father. I feared my father. I I, I didn't like him when he came home. Uh, Used to wish he didn't, but he did. And when I was a senior in high school, I had to go clean this rich people's house. And that's okay because they paid me to do it. And I was out there cleaning out their lawn and stuff. And I had to move their cars. I had to move her um, Corvette. She had a Corvette, like 1968 Corvette or something like that. And I had to move all that. And I was cleaning out their big old driveway And uh, I jumped in my dad he called it the Smoking Ghost It's a 1971 Ford Galaxy uh, Big old white thing And it did smoke when you drove it And uh, so I jumped in that car I opened that door And I looked back and make sure I'm good And I started backing up my I had to sweep underneath it Because they had leaves all in their driveway And uh, I didn't realize there was a tree right here And I had the door open And it crushed that door Because I had the door open Bam, hit that tree I thought for sure my dad was gonna bury me in that car. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, he he all he did is shook his head. And he had mercy. I can remember that. Remember the time my two oldest sons decided they would sneak out of the house with their friend that came down out of state to meet a girl and got drunk. Not my boys, but their friend did. Call me a middle of the night. Dad, we snuck out of the house. He's drunk. We can't get him. <laughs> oh, what, we, we can't get him to come back. I got to go get him. And you know what? I had mercy. We just had a talk. No yelling and screaming. All that. We just, we just talked. Mercy. Withholds a punishment that, that's deserved. And God does it all the time. And 1 first, uh, first Chronicles chapter 16, it says, there, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, we like that word endure. We're going to come back to that. Thank God it does endure forever. It means it, it, never, it never runs out. Never, never, he never runs out. He doesn't say, man, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm tired. I'm done with mercy. Micah chapter number seven, it says this. It says, God is a God like you. I'm sorry. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights and delights in mercy. God delights in mercy. What did you look forward to doing when when this weekend came, right? Hunting, fishing. Gaming, shopping, grandkids, vacation. What did you take pleasure in? God's, that's that word, man. God delights. He takes pleasure in having mercy. That's the kind of God we have. In Titus chapter number 3, it says this. It says, but when the, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy Man, according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the holy spirit and our salvation comes because of god's mercy so the goodness of god oh god's mercy it comes through there's one musketeer you know the second one is grace 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 means undeserved favor some people say it in a word of unmerited favor. Um, different kind of commentaries, it's kind of neat. They, they use the same analogy and say that mercy and grace are like two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You can't have, you can't have grace without mercy. You can't have mercy without grace. <clears throat> so if mercy is you don't get what you deserve, then grace, grace gives a blessing that's not deserved. Well, God comes down and gives grace, right? You get something that you don't deserve. I got a beautiful wife I don't deserve, right? We have things that we don't deserve that there's no reason why we should have that. God just has grace. This one guy kind of sums up grace like this. He says, grace is something you can never get, but you can only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or to bring it about Any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream, or earn good looks. Look at some of us. I I think we could say, (laughs) "I'm sure didn't earn good looks, did we?" Now, I, I speak myself too. Now, okay. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five. It says, "This is the God who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, because of His great love, which He loved us." Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you saved. God's grace. God's grace. This other statement I like to hear from uh, by God. It says, when God saves a person, he extends both mercy and grace. Mercy is forgiving the sinner and withholding the punishment that is justly deserved. Grace is heaping undeserved blessings upon the sinner. In salvation, God does not show one without the other. In Christ, the believer experiences both mercy and grace. So mercy and grace never stop in the Christian life. That's something we we always have. No matter how far you get, how mature you are, how spiritual you might be, mercy and grace will never leave. Thank God. It's always there, but it's that state that we walk with God. It's where we are, you know, we need his grace and mercy. So you got grace. You got mercy. We got two more. But I, I, I want to I jump in on that, that fourth musketeer first. That one that we really don't talk about. And that's justice. God's justice. The definition of justice is justice gives a person exactly what they deserve. Justice gives a person exactly what they deserve. Now we like this when we think we're the right person and they're the wrong person. See, I like God's justice then. See, I call, upon, call down upon God's justice when that person is driving slow in the left lane, right? I call upon God's justice when that moron pulls in front of me and slows down about 10 miles an hour, right? Or rides my tail. You can tell I got some road rage. I got a little, I got some trouble. I'm dealing with it. All right, I won't say it, honey. I won't say it. I told my wife, I'm going to try to be nice to you when I preach. I like picking on her, but I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Man, we want to call down justice on that crooked co-worker, that unfair boss, you know, the, the murderer, the thief, the terrorist, right? The bad waiter. But how about when Maybe it's us. Oh, then we don't want to call upon call upon God's justice. Then, But justice gives a person exactly what they deserve. And you know, justice justice is needed. You know, it, it's something that's needed. Like when your son pushes his sister down the stairs three times, he got justice for that. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he got every bit of what he deserved. When the other brother lets his sister, same sister, ride down the stairs on her mattress, he got justice too. And he got every bit of what he deserved. She was five years old. Right? Justice is needed. Paul tells the, the Colossians, he says there in chapter 3, he says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, only God knows, and he makes that decision, right? Right? To say, it's time for justice, not time for mercy. Sorry, I can't have grace. It's time to, you got you to get what you deserve. And, and it's hard to think that that's good, but it is. You know, we give David a bad rap, but David's the one that said, search me, O God, in Psalm 139, right? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Wow. Search me. That's examine thoroughly, right? Oh God, and know my heart. Try me. And that's scrutinize, prove, like you test gold through the fire. Try me and know my anxieties, right? That's his doubts, his thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. There's that lead, right? Be by proke, prod, or guide. Do we pray that prayer? Oh, Lord, Lord, if I'm doing anything wrong, Lord, I want you just to go ahead and just have justice on me, Lord. Search me and try me, Lord. No, if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, Lord, go ahead and get me. Get after me, Lord. You pray that prayer? David did. Because he knew that God's goodness was, gonna, was right, and, and he knew that. And In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son or child, right, whom he receives. Justice is a part of God's goodness. Back in my hometown, there was a, a great um, haunted house that we had. When I was a little kid, it was every year, they, they actually used to like rent out this whole building that was uh, called a Gaylord's, that was a store that closed down and they took that whole thing and made it a haunted house. They'd be lying for hours out there, people waiting to go in the haunted house. That place was uh, freaky, man, it scared me, I mean, it was, it was terrified. they had Frankenstein, they had all these things, they had Dracula, I could tell you stories, man, going through that as a kid. Well, as the time progressed, I guess things happened and they kept getting smaller and smaller. And about when I was about 10th grade or so, me and my friends went and, and uh, we went through it. And half the rooms that they had in this little thing were not, nobody was even in there. We got talking to the guy, and he's like, Yeah, we just things kind of fell by the wayside. People didn't really show up. And we're like, Hey, we'll help you out. He's like, Okay, sure. So for the next three years, we got to work the haunted house. And I'd have all these crates. They had all the masks and all the stuff, and we'd go in there. And as teenagers, you think about scaring a bunch of people, I got some more stories about that, man. It was hilarious. We loved it, man. We scared people to death, man. I'd blah, and all these kind of things, people would yell and scream. Well, my senior year, I got to be the coveted Chainsaw Massacre. I did had a mask with his eye hanging down, and you got this big old cape and hood and stuff, and you had a real chainsaw. <coughs> Didn't have a... What's that? Didn't have a chain on it. <laughs> but it was a real chainsaw. You know, it's gas, power, and all that. I mean, it was, people were terrified. That. That's, that's, that is the highlight of that haunted house every year. As a kid, I remember you'd be out there and listen and hear that chainsaw going, people would be shivering. People leave the line. They just hear it and leave, I got to be the guy, so this place was small. I mean, b- by now we were in this, there. was an October fest or whatever it was there in our town. It was like the the fall fest, and so all the carnival stuff. And we had just one little kind of house. Everything was crammed into this little thing. So I got I got a little cubby hole with a curtain, and it's a hallway. You come this way, the hallway goes that way and goes around, and it's all enclosed. And so here I am. I'm waiting. It's got a strobe light. So people come out, and of course I'm 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 only 16 years old. I was 16 years old as a senior. I come, I jump out of that thing. Run, 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 run. We get it. Just go ahead, go back. I have a guy come show me. He got to do a choke and all that. Oh, okay. So so the next time I jump ran I did if you were scared and it running it's great it's great had smoke coming out of it you know and, and it was all enclosed so it just had this haze to it it was great toward the end of the night toward the end of the night uh you, you can hear people coming there you can hear him what is he is he is he over here where's he at I don't hear I don't hear the chainsaw you know And so, I hear some people come through, and I jump out, and it's a a man and his wife. About about kind of Doug's size and age and stuff, maybe, you know. Not that old, maybe. (laughs) He didn't have a cane or nothing like that. He wasn't that old. He was more fit. And anyway, he... um, I jumped out. She took off... (laughs) Like a bat. (laughs) And you ever saw the movie of, um, what's that, Mummy? Remember the mummy when the guy got that little thing and he ran and he smacked right into the wall? Remember that guy that crawled up in? Anyway, that's what she did, man. She ran. And what happens when we went on the corner, these guys had a bright idea. They wanted people to crawl through some little stuff like, I guess, spider webs. So they had the ceiling come down at an angle about four feet. And she come running around there and bam, hit that thing, knocked her flat on the ground. He's over there trying to help her up. What am I doing? <laughs> I'm the Chainsaw Massacre, dude, fear me. I'm just in that dude's face. He stands up and goes, stop, stop. He cold cocks me. <laughs> Boom. In. <laughs> I felt it through the mask and all, (laughs) and I just stood there watching him as he helps up his wife, and they stagger and crawl through that little cubby thing. I just stand there. I go back to my little closet, pull my curtain, and I sat there for the rest of the night. (laughs) I hear people come through. Hey, where's the chainsaw guy? Like. But you know what hurt worse than getting punched in the face? (laughs) Knowing I deserved it. That's what hurt me. Because I was a Christian. And I realized, man, I was a jerk. I had no thought or feeling about them, about her. All it was about me and my glory being what I was. And justice is needed. It's not nice. But God is good. Even in the justice. So mercy, grace, justice, and blessing. Blessing. God's blessings. The definition of blessing is... It is the enjoyment of God's divine favor. Now, they're kind of all mixed together, right? God's goodness, mercy, grace, justice, blessing. You know, you can't really kind of, oh, this is this and that. "Mm," But sometimes, believe it or not, you can. Because, see, there's some blessings that are only given in a state of obedience See, remember, standing never changes, but your state does because your state is your walk. And there are some blessings that are only there in a state of obedience. Paul said this in Romans chapter 9. He said, for, he said to Moses, God said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom, whomever I will have compassion Right? So then it is not by him who wills or him who runs, but God who shows mercy. And that whole story is about Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau about that birthright. Right? And there were some of them who wanted it because Jacob wanted it for one son. I'm sorry, Isaac wanted it for one son and Rebecca wanted it for another. And, and Jacob wanted one thing and Esau wanted another. And both Jacob and Esau went running and doing what they had to do. And God said, all that didn't matter. It's who I chose, it's what I wanted. See, God's not a heavenly vending machine. I put in the right spiritual quarters and I press my blessing and get what I want. That's not, God says, I'll bless who I want to bless. I'll have compassion who I want to have. It's my choice. So yes, it's true, God's mercy endures forever, but he can choose not to extend it. It's not that it didn't run out, but he chose not to offer it to you. See, because some blessings are based upon your state of obedience. James chapter 4 says this, You ask and you do not receive. You think, he said, Because you ask amiss that you may spend it in your pleasures. Another translation has, Consume it upon your lust. Right? James chapter 1 says this, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues it, there's that, there's that state of obedience. You stay in it. You continue in it. And is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. You see? First Samuel chapter 1. I'm sorry, verse, uh, chapter, First Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says, Then Samuel said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obedience, as in o- obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Okay, so the people thought they would save all the best when God told them not to, to give to God. And God said, I'm not interested in what you can give me. I'm interested in you obeying me. So there's a whole bunch of things. There's a whole list of Blessings whole list of blessings that are conditional you have divine direction in our path of life right proverbs chapter 3 but that's only allowed to those who give god every part of their life god says you'll supply your need philippians chapter 4 verse 19 but that's based upon those who gave sacrificial to help others they, they, they lacked. They actually gave what they needed. And Paul said, God will supply your need because you gave to help others. Have an abundance in Luke chapter six thirty eight, based upon, again, those because they gave and serve others it was the condition for that. The peace of God, not the peace with God, peace of God, Philippians chapter 4, that's given to those who are thankful and grateful in heart. All things work together for good, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, but that's for those who love God. The uh, promise of provision and protection of Psalm 23, right? The shepherd's psalm, that's allowed to those who have the shepherd as their shepherd. They allow him to guide them. Then they have the promise of protection and provision. The fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 is given to those who walk in the Spirit. God will seek your adult children. Your kids grow up. The promise that God will seek them out when they get old is given to those who lived Christ before them. Conditional promises. I've seen so many times we. Um, we're living just with mercy and grace. Mercy, that's all we live. Mercy and grace, we're missing out on all these great blessings that are based upon our state of obedience. And, man, we're just, like I said, we're missing out. We don't realize that God, God's goodness, man, is, is for us and is good for us, and we're scared to let God have control. I like this poem that my wife, she got, <clears throat> I forget what avenue of media she got her on. It was good. I, I got part of it here it's by Ray James. He says, uh, as speaking as from God, it says, I would have pulled Joseph out, out of that pit, out of that prison, out of that pain, and I would have cheated the nation of out of the one God would use to deliver them from famine. I would have pulled David out out of Saul's spirit, throwing presence, out of the caves he hid away in, out of the pain of rejection, and I would have cheated Israel out of a God-hearted king. I would have pulled Esther out out of being snatched from her only family, out of being placed in a position she never asked for, out of the path of a vicious, power-hungry foe, and I would have cheated a people out of the woman God would use to save their very lives. And I would have I would have pulled Jesus off, off the cross, off the road that led to suffering and pain, off of the path that would mean nakedness and beatings, nails and thorns. And I would have cheated the entire world of a Savior out of salvation, out of an eternity filled with no more suffering and no more pain. And, oh, friend, I want to pull you out. I want to change your path. I want to stop your pain. But right now, I know I would be wrong. I would be out of line. I would be cheating you and cheating the world out of so much good because God knows, He knows the good this pain will produce. He knows the beauty this hard time will grow. He's watching over you, and He's keeping you even in the midst of this, and He's promising you that you can trust Him even when all feels like more than you can bear. And that is a great poem. But you know, again, that is based upon a promise of a person who loves God. That all things will work together to them who love God. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah chapter 29. He said, for I know, speaking from God, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That's what God said, says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope god is thinking of you right now he's thinking for you he's thinking of what he wants to do for you and he has so much for you but you know what that goodness of god man just resting on the mercy and and grace is just just the, the little tidbits you know that you can get from god and not really sink your teeth into those blessings that god has for obedience Giving him your life, man, and making him truly the leader and the Lord of your walk. Man, you're missing out, you're missing out. God's goodness. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for this time to come and share the word. I appreciate you, Lord, using me as a vessel. And God, I know there's a lot of people here, Lord, that are struggling and going through a lot of things. And um uh, a lot of heartache, a lot of hurt, a lot of why, God, why me? But only you, Lord, can give that answer to that question. And only, Lord, you can give the comfort to know that you are working all things together for good. So, Lord, I pray you help us to be an obedient people, to um, truly to be a state of fellowship with you and to seek you, Lord, in everything in our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.